Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message given on Sunday morning, April 10th, 2022, by Tom Job from the book of Luke in chapter 10. So I wanted to read to you out of the Gospel of Luke, um, and this is chapter 10. So during the uh, weeks of, of Lent, we've just, it's, I don't know, it's something that I kind of found one day where um, in the Gospel of Luke, and I told you guys this like a million times, but it, so th- it's something that happens in the Gospel of Matthew twice, in the Gospel of Mark twice, in the Gospel of John once, but it happens in the Gospel of Luke six times that people find themselves at the feet of Jesus for a variety of reasons. It's always because he, they know he's their answer and they're worshiping him and pleading with him. But, um, And so I just thought for Len it would be a cool thing to... Um, to think about them, to think about people who found themselves at the feet of Jesus. This one's going to be a little bit, um, I don't know. But I mean, it's Lent, right? It's Lent. So if we have to put like our repenting hat on, it's time to do it. So anyway, (laughs) but um, anyway, I want to read this to you. In verse 39, it's in verse 38, it says in, in Luke chapter 10, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where there was a woman named Martha who opened her home to him. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to his words, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all of her preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Whenever Jesus says your name twice, it's usually not good. You know, like Simon, Simon. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, and indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Lord God, I don't know if there's anything more important for us right now than to understand what this means and understand what Mary learned and understand what it means to be a person who is at the feet of Jesus listening to what he says. Help us to know it and to long for it and to live it in your precious name. Amen. So, I mean, you know, siblings, like, well, there's lots of times where they don't really get along with each other, but um, famous, you know, famous sibling rivalries, um, William and Harry, you know, so he apparently after Brexit, that was the Megxit and they're not really getting along so great. But I read that like Prince Harry always said, you're going to be the king and so I can do whatever I want. And that's kind of what, what he did. But there was a sign. Um, y'all know that tire place down there by Freddy's, kind of by Walmart down there. And they always have these hilarious things on their signs. And this week there was a sign that says, this is a family run business. And then it said, shut up. And then it said, no, you shut up. And I thought, (laughs) so Jesus, so here are these two sisters and Jesus was coming to their house. And so Martha was like, oh my goodness, like there's so many things I have to think about. What do you serve? Royalty. Like, what do you serve? The king of kings. I know we're having fish, but we only have red wine. And I know he created white wine and he created fish because they go perfectly together. And I'm not quite sure what to do about it. Do you serve from the left? Do you serve from the right? I can't remember what you're supposed to do when you're in the presence of kings and how to serve them. What if my bread, what if I left it in too long for the second proof? What's going to happen? 
but I make it a handshake, like from Jesus, that would be awesome, but whatever. But she was just like, you know, she was just like, these things matter, they're super important. I know what's right, I know what's important, I know what matters, but for her sister, there was something that mattered more because it said that Mary also, in other words, she helped Martha, but then when Jesus got here, Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. So when God with us comes to literally be with you, it's important to be with him. And then Martha just got so frustrated, like with her sister, it said that she was distracted in her preparations. And the, the New Testament was written in Greek and Greek scholars tell us that the word distracted comes from a word that means pulling your sword out of the, your like sword holder thing. And I can just like, there's some anger to it. So I could just hear her in the kitchen, you know, just chopping tomatoes with this big butcher knife thing and just getting angrier and angrier that Mary's out there and she's not helping that at a certain point, she just opens the door with a crazy look on her face like she's out of an Alfred Hitchcock movie with this tomato juice dripping off this knife and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister isn't helping me and she would but she, it was really she was kind of saying lord aren't you concerned aren't you concerned about my sister aren't you concerned that my sister doesn't care about what really matters my sister doesn't con i mean these things are important am i right or what and it turned out that Jesus disagreed with her. Like, I'm, and I know there are people who, I know I'm right. I know I care about, I know what's important. I know what matters to Jesus and I'm angry about it. And they find out that Jesus disagrees with them. There's a, um, I mean, in a certain sense, Martha was right about Mary, that Mary didn't know what was right and didn't know what was important and didn't know what matters. But that's why she was at the feet of Jesus. She was there to learn. She was a person who was like saying, I don't know how to be. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to think. I don't know what to feel. I don't know how to talk. I don't know what to say. That's why I'm here. I need Jesus to tell me because I don't know. You know, and I think about like, I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like in the last like few years or whatever, people are fighting more than they've ever fought before about stuff. And people are angrier than they've ever been. And all of God's wonderful people are right in there with them and they're judging everybody and judging their motives and they're calling names. And if people would stop long enough to ask the question, Jesus, what do you think of this? They would hear him say in his words and in his teachings, in Matthew chapter five, verse 39, we are not to fight and we are not to be angry. And he said, anybody who is angry at anybody else is really, I mean, potentially a person who might be open for judgment. And you're like, what? And I'm, I didn't say it. 
Jesus the teacher said it, and I guess the only way I can understand it is a person who's angry is a person who doesn't really know who they are. And they don't really appreciate what it cost for them to be offered a free admission into heaven. And if they did understand those two things, they would realize I never have the right to be angry with anybody again. And if a person judges other people and judges their motives and judges what they do and is critical of them, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 that that person is really open for judgment themselves. And you're like, what? Everybody does it. Well, I didn't say this. The master said it, like the teacher said it. Because he's like our teacher, like Jesus Jesus is the teacher, so he said it, and I guess a person who judges other people must be, the reason they do it is they don't really know who they are, and they don't really know what it cost the Savior to offer them a free admission into heaven, and if they knew those things, they would never dare judge anybody else. And um, people call each other names, like, all the time. And in chapter 5, I think it's verse 22 of Matthew, Jesus said, if you're a person who calls people names, you're in danger of going to hell. And it's like, what? And it's like, everybody does it. I didn't say it. Like, the teacher said it. And the only thing I can, way I can think about it in my mind is that if a person is willing to call other people names, they don't really know who they are. And they don't really know what it costs the Savior to offer them a free admission into heaven. And if they did know those things, they would know that they have no right to ever call anybody like anything. To be a person who says, I don't know what's right. I don't know what's important. I don't know what matters to the Savior. I'm a learner here. There's a, um, there's a, um, the word, people who follow Jesus are called Christians in the New Testament three times. But 264 times, they're called disciples. And um, dis disciple is, um, is a word that means student or like a learner, like um, I'm just learning. I don't know. And I need Jesus to, um, to tell me. Jesus is called in the, in the Gospels 45 times he's called the teacher. 14 times, he's called rabbi, when people address him directly. One scholar counted that Jesus is addressed directly in the Gospels 90 times. And almost two-thirds of the time, people call him the teacher. And he's like the one, you know, who tells me what matters to him and what is important, and what is right, and I don't know, and I'm just learning here. 
and I want to learn. Okay, so and you know, so so I, I read an article this week, and um, I think it was like in the New York Times. You know, I feel like when people, when God's people, when they fight and when they're angry and when they judge people, when they're calling names, I just feel like doesn't don't they care about what the teacher tells us, what the master is telling us? And I read an article this week, and it was talking about certain political rallies that are, happen across the United States and how they, they are singing praise songs at the beginning of them. And they say that this rally, like to gain greater political power in the country is a, is a Jesus movement. And they said, we are here to fight, to get, to bring America back to God. And the children of Israel weren't afraid to conquer Canaan. And we're not afraid to try to conquer America for God. And I ask myself, does anyone stop long enough to ask the master, to ask the teacher? We think this is right. We think it's important. We think it's what matters and we're angry. Does anyone stop long enough to ask the master, what do you think of this? Is this what we're supposed to be doing while we're in the world. Jesus told the most powerful political figure in Judah. He said, so you're a king. He said, well, it depends on what you mean. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight. But it's not of this world. And they're not supposed to fight. The kingdom of Jesus is a kingdom. It's an invisible kingdom. And it transcends national boundaries. And it transcends centuries. And it includes people from all ethnicities. And Jesus said, what I've come into the world, in Luke chapter 19, he said, what he came into the world to do, was to seek and to save that which was lost. And in that particular moment, he was talking about um, a person who was one of the people responsible for a tax system that was extremely unfair. And when Jesus talked in that way, he usually included people who were sexually like questionable or sexually irregular or whatever. And sometimes people think, you mean the people that are ruining our country? And Jesus said, I haven't come to fight them. I have come to seek them. I have come to save them. I haven't come to defeat them. I have come to win them. That, that, I have, that we are here to love them. Jesus said in Luke chapter 15, he said that he had come to search and to celebrate 
those who were lost and who had been found. He said, this is how I look at human beings. I see people as like a sheep. And you have a 100, but you've lost this one. And it's just pitiful. Like he said, I have 99 others. I don't really need it. But I can't go to sleep because I've got one that's lost. And I'm going to search for it. And when I find it, I am going to have a party. Or a woman who, as she lost a coin, it didn't mean anything to anybody, but it meant something to her. And she was going to search for it until she found it. And then she was going to celebrate, to seek and to save, to search and to celebrate. And a man had a son, and he lost him, and he loved him, and he searched the horizon every day. To, until he found him. And when he found him, he threw a party. Somebody said that stars are actually holes in the sky where the party lights are shining through because he's seeking people and he's searching for them to love them and to save them and to celebrate. And he said in Matthew chapter 5, what our job to do is it's our job to shine. It's our job to let our light shine, to do much so much good stuff, to do much, so much Jesus-y stuff, to love people so well that people say of us, y'all are so different. Our job is to shine and to share. When Jesus got ready to tell his people, this is what I want you to do in the world. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to care about. In Luke chapter 24, I want you to preach forgiveness to everyone, to tell everyone that they could be forgiven until I come back, that's what I want you to do. In Mark chapter 16, and some people say, well, Mark chapter 16, probably that second half of it might not have belonged in the Bible anyway. Well, whatever. But this is what Christians at the very beginning understood their job to be. Jesus said, I want you to preach the gospel to everyone and to everything just to tell people the good news about Jesus. In Matthew, chapter, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and to make disciples, teach people to be learners, teach people to be, um, people to be devoted to learning what Jesus said, what is important to him, what matters to him, what he thinks is Right, Jesus said, as the Father, in John chapter 15, as the Father has sent me into the world, that's how I'm sending you, not to fight, but to love, not to defeat people, but to win them. This is what we're supposed to, this is what we're supposed to do. And I think, how do people not know this? Like, how do we not know that this is what we're supposed to be doing to get out there and to love as many people as we can? There's a place in, there's a place, I think it must, it must just be that there aren't enough hearts that sit at the feet of Jesus and say, I don't know what's right. I don't know what's important. I don't know what matters to you. 
and I want to learn. I want your words to be the most important thing in my life. There's a place in the book of, well, the book of Proverbs from chapter 10 all the way to the end is about wisdom. It's just practical ways to know how to be, what to do, how to think, how to feel, what to say, and how to talk. It's just practical stuff. But from chapter one through chapter nine, it's a series of sermons where the person is basically pleading with you, care about this, care about wisdom. He says, give all of your heart to getting wisdom. Cry out for wisdom. Seek wisdom like you would seek silver or gold more than any other thing. And I think, well, there has actually been a revision to the book of Proverbs. And it's the words of Jesus. It's the teachings of Jesus. Jesus and his words are our wisdom. What if everybody who was a follower of Jesus felt that way? I am going to seek the words of Jesus. I'm going to love them. I'm going to know them. I'm going to call out to them to come into my heart, to come into my mind. I'm, I'm going to seek the words of Jesus because I don't know. I need to be taught. I need to learn. I'm going to seek them like silver, like gold. There's a place in the book of Psalms, the first Psalm. It says, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the way of, or stand in the way of sinners or seat in, sit in the seat of scoffers who doesn't listen to other voices, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. What if followers of Jesus say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to delight in the words of Jesus and I'm going to think about them every day, like day and night, or at least once a day or whatever. But this is what's going to matter to me because I don't know this stuff because the things that he says are so revolutionary and they're so counter to what I think is right. There's a place where Jesus said, like about his teachings to people who didn't understand them well, he said, you can't pour new wine in old wineskins. So like when they made wine and it was ready to be like bottled up, they didn't put it in bottles. They put it in like leather bags and it was kind of leather bags of like maybe a goat skin or whatever, but it was a, a new one because then the wine as it becomes effervescent and bubbly and joyously growing, then the container has to be able to stretch to contain it. So if you put new wine into a leather bag that's already stretched out, it will burst and the wine will spill everywhere and be lost and the bag will burst and it'll be ruined. And Jesus said his teachings 
have to go into a heart. This isn't, sometimes this isn't what your dad told you to think. It's not what your granddad told you to think. It's not what your society tells you to think. It's not what your cable news tells you to think. It's something new. The teachings of Jesus are effervescent and they're bubbling and they'll get into your heart and they'll expand with a new way of thinking and a new way of feeling and a new way of being. And it will grow and grow and grow. And if your heart isn't able to grow with it, it will burst and you'll lose your heart and lose the message. I, you know, I thought, um, I thought of, I've just been studying something recently, just for my own mind, to help me to understand things that have become hard for me to understand recently. And one thing that I've discovered in reading the Gospels through is that a person that it's, it, it's impossible for a person to have devotion to Jesus and not have a corresponding devotion to his teachings. Like, if, you, if, if a person is devoted to Jesus and not devoted to his teachings, it's just a Jesus that you're making up. So like in, in Matthew chapter seven, and this is something that if you did a test, uh, like if you did, it's kind of a trick, but like if you ask like Christians, so Jesus told a story about a house that was built on a rock and a house that was built, not built on a foundation of rock, just built on sand. And they both looked great and a storm came and one of the houses, the house that was just built on the ground, it fell over, but the other house stood up. What's the difference between those two? And I bet you 95% of Christians would say one house is the house that has Jesus and the other house is the house that doesn't, but that's not what Jesus said. He said the house that was built on a rock that could withstand a storm is the person who has my teachings and who does them. There's a play, in chapter 24 of Matthew, Jesus said the heavens and earth are gonna pass away, but my teachings will never pass away. There's a place in, in chapter eight of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus said, a person who is ashamed of me and ashamed of my teachings, the Father will be ashamed of them. There's a place in chapter 12 of John where Jesus said, whoever rejects me, that is, whoever does not receive my teachings. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, the one who has my teachings and who does them, who listens to them, who brings them into their heart and who does them is the one who loves me. A person who has my teachings and doesn't do them, doesn't listen to them, doesn't obey them, does not love me. So I just feel like for the rest of my life, I want to be a student. Like I want to be, this is what I want to be. I want to be a student who sits at the feet of Jesus and who says to him every day, and I'm discovering, I'm getting to be an old man and I'm discovering that this is increasingly true of me. I don't know how to be. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to think, I don't know what to feel, I don't know how to talk, I don't know what to say. Teacher, I need you to teach.
teach me. I need to care about your words more than any other thing. And sometimes I do feel like if you are that person who says, as a follower of Jesus, as a student of Jesus, all I care about is what he thinks is important. All I care about is listening to him and learning his words. It's all I care about. And I'm going to do the things that he says are right, that he says are important, that he says matter. I'm going to do those things. You're going to have people angry at you. Mary had a sister who was angry at her. And they're going to disagree with you. You know, I, w I was trying to imagine in my mind what Jesus was talking to Mary about over there in John, in Luke chapter 10. And I don't know because it was a private conversation. I would have loved to have heard it. But one thing I do know is in the chapter right in front of that, in Luke chapter 9, six months before it happened, Jesus began to tell his students, his disciples, and Mary, Okay, this was another thing about Jesus is that he included women in his disciples. It's a wine that has to go in a heart that can stretch because that was beyond what many people could even comprehend that Jesus would include women. But he did because he valued them. But so... But he was telling his disciples for the first time that he was going to go to Jerusalem. He was going to be mistreated and that he was going to be uh, beaten. He was going to be killed and he was going to rise on the third day. And if you read the Gospel of Mark from chapter 8, 9, and 10, he told them three times this was going to happen. They didn't want to hear about it. Don't tell me about it. I don't want to hear about this. I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't want to know. They were afraid to know. I don't want to hear this stuff. Stop talking about it. Peter said, stop saying this. Don't ever say this again. And I just wonder if he might have found someone who would sit at his feet and listen. And Jesus had found a heart that was open to the fact that he had come here to do this and that he loved her and that he loved us so much that he was going to bear all of our mess and all of our wrong and all of our hatefulness and all of our just contamination. He was going to bear all of it and pay for all of it and rise from the dead and offer to whoever wanted those that he was seeking, those that he was searching for, those he wanted to win a new start and a new heart and a place in his family and a place in his home forever as a free gift. And maybe he found someone who would listen to that. And one thing that Mary had planned to do was that she had a bottle of perfume. It was probably like all of her life savings. And she decided that she was going to use that to anoint the body of Jesus after he was dead because she knew it was coming. She might have been the only person in the world who knew. But as she got thinking about it,
And Jesus said that he was going to rise on the third day. And she realized when they go to that tomb to get to prepare his body, they're not going to find it. I'm the only person in the world who knows this, but they're not going to find it if I'm going to give him that gift. And when you look at the women who went to the tomb when Jesus was risen from the dead of all the significant women who were followers of Jesus, she was conspicuously absent. And she's like, if I'm going to give him this gift, I'm going to have to do it now. And she did it at a party the week before and poured all of that perfume on Jesus. And people were angry with her. And they said, this is stupid. It's a waste of time. And Jesus said, she has done a beautiful thing. I had a friend, I've told you guys this before, but I, one of my best friends, we started an Arab church together in, in Italy, but he was Lebanese. And one time we read that story together about Mary pouring that perfume on Jesus. And Antoine told me, he said, you know one thing, when I think about this, our perfume is not like y'all's perfume. Y'all's perfume is based on alcohol. Our perfume is based on oil. And it lasts for days and days. And then we both thought about the fact that in just a matter of days, Jesus was going to be nailed to a post and a beam, and people were going to be spitting at him and yelling at him and hating on him and just doing all kinds of terrible things to him. But all he would have to do would be to close his eyes and smell the smell of someone who listened to him and someone who loved him. Lord Jesus, make us better listeners. I want to tune out all the voices. If we could tune out all the voices and just listen to your voice. If all of your people did this, we would be living in a different world. Let it start with me. In your precious name, amen. Well, I want to see your eyes say my life is your life make every single day another chance to say i want to please you more i want to love you lord i want to live like i'm your child and i want to make you smile